Okay, come on. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, welcome to Ten Strike Community Church on this beautiful January the 28th morning. Isn't it wonderful? A um, couple of announcements here. After the service today, we do have a meal provided, uh, prepared by the loving hands of uh, my mother-in-law, Julie Bush. She always does good. I think it's some sort of pizza thing today, so uh, be ready for that afterwards. You're all invited to join us. A um, couple of announcements here. We have receipts of your donations to the church for 2023 for tax purposes. They're in the office counter outside of the sanctuary. They might also be in your mailboxes. On Wednesday, January the 31st this week, we have 9 a.m. Touchpoint with Pastor Stephen Joyce. Uh, the title is Inspiration and Motivation, and those are all archived online if you want to watch those. On 6 p.m. on Wednesdays, we have Amplify Youth Group and Kids Activities. Uh, an upcoming event this week, on this Saturday, February 3rd at 8 a.m., there's a men's prayer breakfast put on by Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship in America. Uh, that'll be located at Beltrami Electric in the conference room. Uh, Steve Fogelson will be speaking. Uh, and there'll be a couple things else uh, on the screen. Uh, some regular announcements about what you can find on our website, uh, where you can give tithes, etc. Uh, as it is every week, we give our time. We don't pass around a basket, but we do have uh, giving boxes in the back. Uh, so, if you want to give tithes, you can give there. Uh, do we want to do that youth announcement now? Okay. Um, so this weekend, uh, starting Friday, the youth group is going to be doing something called 30-hour famine. Um, we'll be partnering with uh, um, a ministry called World Vision. We are raising money to feed um, individuals who are starving in a, separate, in a different country. Um, and so the youth are essentially um, raising funds. So if you are feeling led to donate to this, um, that money can be um, sent or donated or given to one of the youth who are participating in this event, um, which is pretty much everybody that's here. Tristan and Jack and Carson and Lucas and Daniel and Joy and Elsie and any of the youth, if you feel led to donate to World Vision so that this money can be given to World Vision to feed a, a family that's starving, um, definitely touch base with one of them um, and that'd be greatly appreciated. Um, and I think that's everything. Thank you. All right. And before I let us off here, I wanted to say a prayer over our, our tithes and offerings. And just, just a thought. Uh, last week, my wife and I were speaking. Um, we were reading out of Matthew 6. Uh, and in Matthew 6, you see that uh, Jesus makes a statement that you cannot serve God and riches, right? And so when we're thinking about tithes and offerings and our, our giving, uh, one of the statements that you're making when, you're, when you put anything in that box in the back, you're making the statement that I am not ruled by a system of this world that says that I need to pinch every penny, that I need to hoard everything that is around me, that I need to grab and hold because it might be taken from me, right? Uh, one of our freedoms in Christ is that it's, it's all worth the giving. It's all free. It's all, uh, it's all something that we can give away because we have something greater in Christ, in him. Amen? Okay. So let's pray over that this morning. Just Jesus, we thank you for your freedom, for the lifting of the burden of having to grab and scrimp and hold, that you are the good giver, you are the good provider, 
Uh, we just trust in you with all that we have and all that we are and know that you are the greatest rich of all. So in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Yes, we do agree. And again, we just pray that your voice would be spoken through us, that everyone would hear exactly what they need to hear, and that it would sink into their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so, good morning again. <laughs> um, as I was just saying, uh, last week we spoke on uh, out of Matthew 6, uh, and this week we're going to we're going to follow by going into Matthew 7. Uh, be talking about some things, but just a quick uh, little recap here. Uh, I don't have my Bible open, but I'll I'll just go from memory here. Uh, the main idea uh, from last week is that Jesus offers us a vision of of two worlds, right? Uh, one. Uh, in which we see uh, two types of treasure, really, I think was kind of our, our biggest idea from last week. Yeah. Two types of ways to see what is, is valuable in this world, right? Uh, there's a system uh, of value that is kind of almost obvious to us, right? Things that are great and mighty, things that are most uh, sought after by most people, uh, things that seem the holiest, maybe, things that uh, seem maybe the most ritualistic, right? Maybe most traditions and rituals seem the most, the most valuable to us. Uh, we place our value on those things and those actions uh, rather than on God himself. But Jesus, uh, he offers a new way. He says, uh, there is a secret place where you, you find me, and in that place, uh, you find that those things... Uh, will be given back to you, right? We see that at the end of chapter 6, that all those things, uh, even, I think, the traditions and the rituals, I think they have some worth, but they're always centered on, on him, right? In that place and knowing him and being relation with him. Uh, and so something interesting that happens, though, uh, I was just talking about those verses about uh, where our riches are, right? Uh, he says this thing that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. Uh, and part of what that means is that if our riches are based in this thing that we see, this world, then that's just all that's valuable to us. That's all we see. That's all. That's what's worth anything. Uh, but if we change our perspective and recognize that what is valuable in the eyes of heaven is the heart itself, then that is what is stored in the treasure places of, of heaven. Uh, and so there's an interesting set of pictures there, right? There's a, a treasure trove of humanity, which we store away all these good deeds. We store away all these uh, things, right? But then there's the treasure troves of heaven, and the only thing we really see there are the souls of people, <laughs> which I think is interesting. Uh, so we're going to follow that uh, this week uh, with a little, uh, the first 12 verses of Matthew 7, so a little less uh, than we were reading last week. Still opening my Bible. Did you want me to read it? Uh, you could. I read last okay. week. Why don't you read this? All right. <clears throat> so Matthew 7, starting at verse 1. Do not judge or you too will be judged. 
For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven Give good gifts to those who ask him. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and prophets. So again, a lot to kind of dissect here, but we'll kind of work through this here. I think something that um, I had mentioned before, I think it was the last time we spoke, is this idea of talking about judgment and talking about even God's judgment and how he judges from a perspective of seeing that faith, that mustard seed of faith, or seeing the good, seeing the gold. And we oftentimes think of judgment as seeing those things in people that are lacking or um, the things that hurt us or take from us But God, I really feel like, is calling us to judge others based on seeing the gold in each other, seeing the good things that God has placed in there, seeing Jesus in one another. And so when it says here that for the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. When I read that, I kind of think, kind of like Peter was talking about, this idea of we have a choice. We can either live this life in the sense of, I see you as someone taking from me, and so I need to take from you, or I see you as someone giving something, and I can give to you. And so that measure, it's that love is limitless, it's measureless. But really what that measure is talking about is, are we going to measure the way that we see one another from a perspective of giving or taking? And really what that then leads into is last week we talked a little bit about the eye being the lamp of the body or being the perspective, like our perspective creating our experience in life. Like we can, we look for, or we see what we look for. And so we can either um, have an experience full of joy and peace in the Lord because of how we are viewing people and viewing ourselves and viewing God. 
Or we can have a perspective of everything is taking from me. Everything is, uh, everything in life is robbing me. And so when it goes into why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, I really feel like that's still kind of a connection to Jesus talking about the eye being the lamp of the body. So if we think of it from that perspective, then perspective, we can see, okay, so if our perspective is clouded, if what we're seeing is clouded by a plank, then we're not going to be able to see clearly to be able to give advice or give wisdom or give love or whatever that person needs in order for their perspective to shift. Because I think we can a lot of times take those verses and just apply it to any sin, and it could be applied to any sin potentially. But I think what he's trying to get at here is we need to shift our perspective. We need to come to a place where we see with clarity so that we can help others see with clarity. Because he's, he's talking about the eye. He didn't say the plank was in your arm or your leg or wherever. He's talking about how we see. And I think he's shifting the way we see one another. We see ourselves and how we see God. And so when we um, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. I can let you jump to the next part. Yeah. Wow, that's so good. There's so many, so many planks, aren't there? <laughs> There's so many things that can that can change our perspective on on people that that threaten to to make us want to to take from people. I mean, uh, I'm just thinking about you know my relationship with my wife, the closest person, the person I should know the best in all this world, and still there's moments where I don't see her clearly. I don't. Uh, appreciate the thing that she is, and there are moments where I'm, I'm thinking in terms of my own selfishness. I, I think in terms of uh, her trying to, uh, you know, take something from me, right? Uh, maybe it's it's time, maybe it's um, my ego, whatever, you know, the, the, there's those little things, right? You know it, uh, and you feel it, right? When you get defensive, uh, it happened to me the other night, I, it was random, right? It was uh, why? Why I, I was taking too long to come to the kitchen or something? I had, I was looking at something on my phone, right? And oh, I took too long, and you know I was feeling defensive. Why were you taking so long? Well, I was looking at something really important, right? And <laughs> and in that moment, I'm not seeing her clearly. What she's what she's actually uh, calling for is, is my connection, her need for for me to actually be helpful, right? Uh, to be on time, right? These are the things that are important things that are important to our relationship, right? And in those moments, I'm not seeing correctly, right? Um, those are things that I, I, I need to allow the Lord to remove, right? Uh, so that I can actually see with that light, that glory. And I find as, as we're getting on in our marriage, closer, getting closer to 10 years, closer to nine years, I guess now, uh, that those, those moments are, are shorter now, right? Because we uh, are progressing in the sense of... Uh, I have such love for this person that if there's a moment where I'm feeling defensive, I'm feeling that, that sense of I'm not seeing you right, I recognize it. I notice it right away, and I go, oh, uh, this isn't her trying to do something to me. Uh, it's me not seeing correctly. 
And so I can take that moment to go, I'm sorry. I can take that moment to say, uh, I actually see what you were trying to do in that moment, and I see it differently now. And I see myself differently because of it, though. Um, and we, we have that mutual understanding. We're both doing that for one another. Um, the thing is, that it works for more than just man and wife relationships, doesn't it? Um, maybe that's a difficult example for some, but maybe for some that, that seems easy. Uh, but it works uh, this year, right? Uh, we're going to have lots of opportunities, aren't we, uh, in 2024. Uh, it's a special year here in the United States of America, isn't it? Uh, every four years is a nice special year, isn't there? With lots of opportunities to have logs in our in our eyes, <laughs> with the way we, we see people, right? Uh, and I, I say that in an amusing way, but it results in uh, a world system, doesn't it, where people excuse it every four years to say anything and everything about uh, people that they don't even know. Uh, and so these verses, I think, can transform us, transform the light of our eye, right? Because uh, light, what does it do? It creates something, it creates understanding, it creates color and wonder and goodness, right? Something that darkness can't do. Uh, and so, to follow that, in these next verses, uh, uh, something, uh, some of the most interesting, uh, me and Linnea, as we were talking through these verses, we, we probably talked the most about uh, verse 6, uh, which is a verse that uh, is used in all sorts of different ways. Uh, so this verse that do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, uh, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. Uh, uh, we've talked about, we talked as we were talking, we realized that a lot of times this, these verse, this verse particular is sort of used kind of all by itself a lot of times and, and just in terms of this idea of, um, how would you say it, hon? This verse is usually used. Well, just in terms of, like, don't share the word of God in circumstances or in to people that aren't going to be receptive to it, I think is usually how yeah. I've understood it to be. Right. Uh, but as we were talking and looking at it in terms of this, this kind of this larger thing that, that Jesus uh, is doing, uh, uh, you get the sense that it's, it's a little more than that, right? Because uh, we have this, this image of this taking image, right? Uh, trying to take something from someone's eye, right? To try to control them, correct them, make them into something. Your vision of what they should be, right? Uh, but it's coming from a place where we're not actually seeing properly to do so. Uh, and the next verse is the opposite thing. It's you're giving to something in a way that see that's it's not correctly. You're not seeing something. It's the same type of idea. You're not seeing something properly, but instead you're trying to give. You're throwing something uh, away, right? Uh, something holy to dogs, casting your pearls uh, before swine. Uh, and then, but that's immediately followed by this idea of ask and it will be given, right? Uh, seek and you will find. Knock and it'll be opened to you. For everyone who receives will find. For everyone who asks will be open. And then we get more giving language, but this time it's about a man giving something to his child. And how good is the gift that humans give to their children? We're good at giving to people we love and care for, our, our, that image of a father giving to a son. You would never give uh, a stone or a snake for one who asks for life, right? Uh, and these are very pivotal images, right? 
bread and stone, fish and snake, uh, the bread and the fish. These are these are definite images of life, especially to uh, you know he's Jesus is speaking to people who aren't who aren't very rich, and the only things they really have to eat are bread and fish. Right? <laughs> uh, we think of the things that he gave to the five thousand. He broke bread. He gave fish. Right? Uh, these are images of life being given uh, instead of stones and which are used to kill people often. And then snakes, which are, again, a very pivotal Hebrew image of death from the very beginning, Genesis, right? Uh, and so this is, this is more than just about giving food. This is about life and death itself, what we are giving to people. And if we can give life, we know how to give life, right? Then how much more does God give it to us? How much more is that his character, that his spirit? And he says he enables us to do that, right? So therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. Uh, so he says that it's more than just about your children. It's about all humanity doing this, giving that life. And so going back to that uh, pearls before swine, what is holy to the dogs, um, what's most interesting there is this giving language is, is towards something really aggressive, right? Uh, the dogs here... Uh, you can think of wild dogs in the street. I think these pigs, they turn around and they, uh, they trample things under their feet. They turn and tear you to pieces, right? Um, whatever, apparently, whatever this metaphor is about, it's about trying to give something good, right? Trying to do what you think is right, and yet it results in violence and death. Uh, just like the images before, where you wouldn't give a stone, right? You wouldn't give a snake. Those are, you wouldn't give death, right? And yet, these images of trying to give what is holy to people is resulting in death. And so our thought this morning is that really does tie back to that beginning of chapter 6, doesn't it? This idea of uh, these ritualistic, traditional ways of thinking about God, right? Thinking that that is what is best and good. It's all the stuff that you do, right? And we need to try to impose that on other people. Uh, and Jesus kind of says, trying to give this holy, these holy good things, trying to impress this on people is going to result in aggression and death, and they're going to actually tear you apart. It has no real power, right? Uh, because it actually results in death rather than the life you think it's going to be because it doesn't have me in it, right? It's not me at the center. It's not from that secret place. It's not from that place of treasures in heaven, hearts are the treasure. It's not from that perspective of seeing clearly, right? Uh, and I think to put it most simply, uh, I just sort of said this as we were talking yesterday, uh, I think part of the problem is maybe if you're seeing people as angry dogs and a vicious swine uh, instead of children who are worth giving good things to, maybe that's part of the problem. <laughs> yes, that's so good. And then that turns our eyes to seeing how God gives to us. Because that's essentially, God will never ask us to do anything that he isn't already doing for us and to us. And so with that, the ask, seek, and knock. Oftentimes when I've read the trying to remove the plank from your eye or the speck from someone else's eye, I often think like, okay, now I now what I need to do is figure out how, how to get this plank out of my eye. 
Like that's, that's what I need to figure out. But really, as Peter's saying, like the whole heart of what Jesus is trying to say is laying out for us a system, a new system that we can follow, a new, um, and not even a system, but a heartbeat, essentially. What his heart is saying is, how, how do I remove that plank? He answers it right there. He says, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you will find Knock and the door will be open to you. This isn't something for us to then go back and turn it into some ritualistic thing where we now have to figure out how to get the plank out of our eye. It becomes, Jesus, I have this perspective. Or maybe you don't even know if you have wrong perspectives. And you say, I want to see the way you see. Take, remove this from my eyes and it's, it's all language of, so first it's ask, and then it's, again, that seeking and that knocking. So, again, it brings you back to the secret place. He's bringing you back to this, this intimacy with him, this closeness with him as the answer to how to shift your perspective, how to see and judge others from what he's placed in them, how to see others in a way of, oh, like the Lord has given you these things and he's given me these things. And so we come together and it becomes all about giving instead of taking. And then again, as Peter said, um, with the stone and the, uh, or the bread and the fish and the stone and the snake, you kind of, you touched on this, but bread and fish are nourishing things and stone, the stone and the snake are harmful things. And so if we see God as a God that is just out to get us, just to harm us, angry with us, mad at us, and just ready to give us something that isn't appropriate for what we're asking, then we, we won't trust him. We won't see him in a way where we can shift our perspective or we won't even believe that he has the power to do that. And really, the shifting of perspective is to see his abundance. I know I talk about that all the time, but I think it's just so important for us to know and see the abundance that he's given us because without seeing his abundance, we're going to see this life as taking from us. We're going to see everything that we experience as being stolen from us. Uh, Peter mentioned our relationship, but I was just thinking even last night, um, Vela had a little bit of a rougher night <laughs> and she woke up quite a few times. And so, but there was a point where I had to shift my perspective and I could either see her as taking from me or taking sleep or I'm just, I just need so much sleep. And so, or I could see it as this moment of me giving myself to her and having 
these intimate moments in the middle of the night that I won't have someday. And so it's it really that perspective. And when we can see the abundance of God, then we shift the way we judge and see others as to what can I give to you instead of what can I take. And so with that, we're actually going to transition to, um, we'll be taking communion today. And I actually, so I've been reading all the way through Matthew. And so I just, when we were planning this message, it just, there's a couple portions of scriptures that really stood out to me in thinking about communion. And so the first one being John 14, um, and starting at, let's see, I think I told you 16, 14, 16. So this is where Jesus is feeding the 5,000. So he's been speaking to these people for a while, and they're hungry, just like any of us would be. And so the context is the, the evening is approaching, it's getting late, and the disciples say, okay, we should just send them away to get some food. And Jesus is like, no, we're not going to do that. And I'm not sure if they'll have it up there or not, but um, I guess I can start reading. Um, so it's Matthew 14, 16, and Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. And this is, I want us to pay attention to this here. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So I think many of us have heard this story of giving or Jesus multiplying the food. And to me, that it's an incredible miracle, but it's also just giving us a sense of the character and the nature of how abundant and big God really is. And the thing that stood out to me, though, is that phrase where it says, he gave thanks and broke the loaves, because it's the same thing he says when he sits down at communion. Um, And I think there's just something so powerful about that because when we take communion, we, he says, do this in remembrance of me. And we remember his death. We remember his resurrection. We remember his life. But something I think he's also inviting us to remember and know is just the vast abundance that he has, that he provides for us, that he loves us, that he gives us more than enough. And there's not only more than enough for ourselves, but there's more than enough for 
everyone around us, and then some. So I'll just briefly um, the, jump forward to Matthew 15, and uh, starting at, looks like verse 32, um, and this is again him feeding the 4,000, and I don't have time to get into the in-between, like, the, the different portions of scripture that are in between the sandwich of the, the two feeding the 5,000 and 4,000 are definitely significant. And there's a lot of really neat things there too, all kind of pointing back to the heart of God and um, again, that secret place. But don't have time to get into all that. But starting at verse 32, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? Which is Kind of funny they'd even ask that because of the previous miracle. But how many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish. And when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And then it talks about having the, the extra leftovers as well. And so that, I feel, I feel like it's a bit of a foreshadow of that time or the Last Supper where he sits with the disciples because as we'll see when we take communion here, he says the same thing to the disciples. And I don't think it's, a mistake that he said the same thing when he is feeding the 5,000 and when he's just feeding the 12 disciples and when he calls us and, and draws us into communion, it's this, this symbol, this um, invitation that I know we've been talking about ritual and it could become something ritualistic for you if your heart isn't grasping what's happening. It's this moment, this connection, this intimacy that we are entering into where we are saying, if you could feed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, then you surely can provide for me. You can not only provide finances, but you can provide everything that I need in order to bless and give to others. Because that's what the, he gave the bread to the disciples, and then the disciples gave the bread out to the people. And so he empowers us. He empowers us with his abundance to give to others, to release and we're, we titled the message, Freedom, His Freedom. And that's really where true freedom is. It is not having to hold on and, and try to hold on to the scraps that we, we try to scrape out of the barrel. 
but that releasing. And when we do give, we find that it just keeps keeps coming, keeps coming. I'm guessing the disciples started giving out and then they're like, how is there still more? How is there still more? Because there's a never-ending supply when we are connected to the great supplier. All right. So if you would join us, and even if you are a, a passing through, a traveler, if you are a guest here this morning, uh, please join us. Uh, you'll find under your seat, there are these little, uh, or the seat in front of you, I believe, you'll see these little little guys. And if you find, uh, you look on the bottom, you'll see that there is the bread. Take it out. We just want to remember this morning the goodness of Jesus, that freedom that Naya was talking about. It comes through him and him alone. And by doing this together, we're saying as a group, as a people, as humanity, that Jesus is the one way, that Jesus is life itself. And so this, he said, represented his body. He took the bread and he said, this is my body that was broken for you. And we know that it wasn't just broken, though. It was restored and made whole. So we say when we take this bread, we are made whole in him. Jesus' name is eat. Jesus. We take the cup. And get the lid open. took the cup and he said, this is my blood that's spilled out for you. And we know that blood is more than just fluid in the body. It is the symbol of life itself. So he's saying, this is my life that I give to you, the life of abundance, the love that can flow out from all people to others who don't have it today. So we pray that as you go out, you would take this life, the symbol of life, but you would go out with it and that it would be restorative to all those you meet. So in Jesus' name, we take together. So let's just uh, let's take a moment of prayer here at the end. Uh, Jesus, we do thank you for your victory over all sin and death. We thank you for the freedom that we don't have to sit uh, in the judgment seat over humanity. Instead, we have been commissioned and sent out to love with your radical love, the kind of love that gives to the world as if they were our own children. And we give good things because those things come from you, those things that are ordained by you, that love that is stronger than death, Itself. So, Jesus, we pray that we would know that in our hearts this morning, that we would be freed by that in every single way, that we'd be made pure and white, just like that beautiful world we see out there before us in this January the 28th, uh, that world that you've created. That is like what we can be to all humanity. So, in your name, we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father for giving your son and we receive we receive from that word that Peter and Lenea brought Lord 
that spiritual food. We pray that we may be actors of that word, doers of that word. In the name of Jesus, and everyone in agreement said, Amen. At this time, we're going to cut the live stream and just give me the end.